Yeah, so obviously my worst nightmare, Matt Prater kicks a walk-off and the Packers suffer a huge opening loss in at Lambeau Field, which would be full 2020. <laughs> This is Pulse of the Pack. There's Bledsoe. Down he goes. And there's Reggie White. White. And that's that Huff move. Reggie's coming again. That's Reggie White. Reggie White's going to take over this game right now. Begins the count. Takes the snap. He has the quarterback. He's the lead game for the first down of the Packers. The Rowling Cup. 20 to 17. He did what? Oh, that will never, never get old. Never get old. It is time for Pulse of the Pack here at Game On Wisconsin. Welcome back, everybody. For those of you who heard that intro about Matt Prater, you know, if you followed me for any amount of time, you know about my feelings about the Lions kicker, Matt Prater. But I am Jason Perone of Game On Wisconsin, along with Paul Brettle, and we've got a special guest, Logan Lamarandier. From Sports Illustrated joining us this week to talk a little bit of Lions. Jacob Westendorf is not with us. He is uh, celebrating the CEO's birthday this weekend, which, of course, is Blake Westendorf. She runs this entire site. She's one, for those of you who aren't sure. She turned one year old yesterday. So happy birthday to Blake. And Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on with us, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so the obvious the obvious start here is um, I know you just kind of told us a little bit, but give a little background on you. You're over at sports illustrated and you cover the lions for SI. I do. So yeah, that's the bulk of it right there. Uh, SI.com all lions and, you know, really just usually write about an article a day and I'm a big analytics guy, big into stats. So that's what I focus on. Mostly. I just try to find, as much as I can and dig as deep as I can into the stats. And that's what I enjoy doing. It's kind of a weird take on football, but I under, I like understanding the game. So that's, that's where I come from. Awesome. Very, very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. I want to talk about the lions this year and give our, our fan base a little bit of background on the team and some of the changes that they have undergone. But I have to start with, I was just kind of looking at some of your work and I noticed that you posted an interesting stat yesterday that leads me right into the low-hanging fruit question based on how last week's game ended. So the Lions currently apparently lead the league in drops. We all know about the most important drop last week, which was DeAndre Swift uh, dropping that pass in the back of the end zone. Now, I like the way he approached it and came back and said, hey, that wasn't me. I don't know if that means he was overtaken or possessed by someone else, or he's obviously saying he's going to improve and, and be a lot better. But what was the vibe? amongst the team or from from what you heard after after that happened was it like hey we let it slip away but do you think this team's going to be okay or do you think this could have a little bit of a hangover effect well from a fan's perspective it was and even how i kind of felt as well was just that matt patricia since he's started being the coach of the detroit lions in 2018 they have the most blown fourth quarter leagues of any team in the league they have 11 now and he only has nine wins so he has more fourth quarter blown leads than he does wins at this point. 
And yes, it's a new season. There's new players being brought in, but it seems like just more of the same. It was kind of typical fashion of what they did. You know, we saw a lot of that same defense that was just awful a year ago rise up. So from a fan's perspective, I think there was already a big group out there that didn't want Patricia back to begin with. And now that group continues to grow in terms of what Swift uh, how the team kind of rallied around him. You know, Matthew Stafford came out and said he'd still throw the pass to Swift 100 out of 100 times. Adrian Peterson gave big props to Swift, just saying, you know, he, he's going to bounce back. And I, I do think he'll bounce back because he had two drops in week one and he had zero drops all last year while at Georgia and had three his entire career there. So it's just not in his nature. It was a little unique to see that and him putting the ball on the turf, but it's just – it's a tough situation. And I, I think if the lions can't put together something soon and they have a tough stretch of games coming up, uh, you know, Patricia's going to be more and more on the hot seat. And I think the fans are going to start to revolt if uh, they don't make something happen. Yeah. You don't want to start over two in the division for sure. And no, not at all. And that green Bay is going to be a tough one. And then you got the Cardinals after that, which look improved. And then Drew Brees and the saints, yeah, there's and then a bye week. Same bye week as the Packers, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's if they go into the bye week 0 and 4, you just start to wonder at, at what point uh, could a change be made. So we just kind of have to wait and see. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, to give our fan base a little bit of you know background on the Lions team, player or two that you know not as what may not be as well known to other fan bases outside of the Lions organization and their fans. Um, that could make an impact on Sunday. Yeah, so Tracy Walker, I think he's a safety that actually didn't even start last week, but he still played the most snaps of any safety. The Lions run a ton of three safety sets, and I think with the injuries that they currently have in the defensive backfield, you're going to see even more of those three safety sets. But Tracy Walker is a playmaker, and he plays everywhere. Uh, We've kind of just coined him as the joker as his position because he'll line up and play some deep free safety. Now the Lions have Jaron Harmon this year. I think that role is being kind of taken away from him, but he's going to be the the big slot corner. He's going to be lining up in the box. He's basically just, uh, you know, the guy, Jack of all trades. He can just go anywhere. So he's, he's someone who yeah, he's flying very much under the radar on the national level. And Lions players typically do. Uh, they don't get a lot of national media attention and for good reason. But uh, I think he's a guy that they're going to have to rely on heavily this week just due to the fact that their starting corner, Desmond Trufant's out, Justin Coleman got put on IR. It's, it's going to be tough for the Lions to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of injuries on the Detroit side. There's a few on the Packers side too. In fact, uh, just a few minutes before we launched here, for those who haven't heard yet, the Packers placed wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown on injured reserve now this season that doesn't have the same luster that it normally does in terms of news because injured reserve can be as short as three weeks in 2020 so st brown situation one to monitor but called up from the practice squad this week will be john lovett and willington prevalon they were both promoted to the active roster so i guess we know about the defensive backs logan on offense no kenny galladay so in terms of that passing game, now the running game is is going to be is is healthy. And as Packers fans, we all know who Adrian Peterson is. And actually, two years ago in 2018, he had way too good of a game when he was with the Washington football team. And so did Vernon Davis. It was kind of a 
you know, insert joke about uh, older players doing really well, but familiar with that, with that run game, but in the passing game, how do the lions get this thing going without their, their top playmaker at, in terms of, of receiver? And what do you expect? Do you, do you think they're going to rely more heavily on the run or do you think they'll still have a, a, a plan of attack in the passing game? So Matt Patricia really likes to try to control the clock, even though he's never, the Lions have never done it very well, but especially with Green Bay, you know, high powered offense. And I think the Lions are really going to try to establish that run. And Adrian Peterson, despite his age, still showed that he's got it last week. And he looked like the, the best back in the Lions roster. And the Lions have two recent second round running backs on their, their team that they added. Right. And it is still Adrian Peterson who looked like the best back. Uh, so I do think the Lions will rely heavily on the run game. They're going to definitely try to make that a thing, keep Rodgers off the field. Uh, so last week, I, Wisconsin fans will know him well, but uh, Quintess Cephas actually led the Lions in targets, you know, fifth-round rookie out of Wisconsin. And I think the Bears actually did a really good job last year. The Lions really pushed the ball down the field and took a lot of deep attacks. And the Bears ran a lot of cover two or just two safeties over the top and eliminated that and tried to have the Lions receivers get open underneath. And they just aren't, the Lions receivers don't get open. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones last year, were both bottom five and average yards of separation. It was really no different in week one for Marvin Jones and even Quintess Cephas did not get a lot of separation. I uh, only had three catches on his 10 targets. So yes, he was targeted a lot, but uh, it was, wasn't necessarily, you know, making huge plays, but he looked okay for a fifth round rookie. Uh, I think the Lions are probably going to look towards Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson. They both play in the slot. Hawkinson, he was an eighth overall pick last year for a reason. He, he's he's a mismatch against a lot of almost every linebacker there is. He he looks like he's bulked up a little bit this year. And, you know, there's that tight end who, you know, the rookie season's always tough. And then they take a big step in year two and maybe even more so in three year three. But everything we've seen so far – uh, just throughout training camp and even in week one, it, it looks like Hawkinson's going to be a focal point. And I think even without Galladay, he's he's going to get fed the ball even more. I have to say, I'm here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm a huge Badger fan. I am very excited to see Quinn as Cephas tomorrow. He's been one of my favorite recent Badgers. And he doesn't create a lot of separation. He never did that at Wisconsin. But he knows how to go and get the football. And he's a physical player. So I'm looking forward to see him seeing him on the Lions side. And then in regards to Hawkinson, I think he can be a key for the Lions offense this week. Packers had a hard time covering tight ends uh, last year. Green will be back. They didn't have him last year. Kirksey should be an upgrade over Blake Martinez in terms of covering in space. And hopefully we see them use Darnell Savage, um, Roman a little bit more in that honey badger role, letting him do what he does best. But to move on, what would you say is a, the biggest strength of this Lions team? And also, what's their biggest weakness? So their biggest strength is usually their, their passing offense. And without Kenny Galladay, it's a little bit more difficult. But Stafford, he had, he had an off week last week. I didn't, I didn't think he was – he, he act, actually had quite a few decisions that were like, ah, what, what you doing there? He had guys running open, and he didn't, didn't throw it to them. So I, I, I don't think that's him. Uh, I know you guys know I'm a Stafford supporter. Um, mm-hmm. He's very – there's like always two sides in Detroit. It's either you're on, on his side or you're not. And I think Stafford's a good quarterback, and if he has a decent team around him, uh, I think he can do well. And so the, the passing attack has always been what Detroit has re- relied on. Detroit has not had a, one single 
top half of the league rushing attack ever in Matt Stafford's career since he's joined joined the league in 2009. And I think it's just really difficult for a lot of people, especially outside of Detroit, to wrap their head around how little help Stafford has had in the run game and how important that is to close out games. And then on defense, again, it's been last year the Lions had one of the worst defense in the league. Uh, against the pass, they were the worst in the league. Uh, so I would say that's their weakness right now. And we talked about it earlier with those injuries right now in the defensive secondary. Uh, it's going to be a real battle against Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know how they're going to slow him up. Despite It is kind of weird because last year the Lions played Rodgers decently well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did it. But in, even in Week 17, I know Rodgers threw the most incompletions he's ever thrown in a game. It was against the Lions and a, a meaningless game for them. So I don't know. It, Patricia has played good teams close and maybe he can do it again. But that defensive backfield right now is a major concern. Um, Jeff Akuda, though, should be back this week. He missed week one. Lions number three overall pick. So that's exciting from a Detroit perspective. So the irony, a couple ironies of what you said there, because you've got struggles in the run game, which you're coming off of arguably one of the best, not coming off of, but you had arguably one of the best running backs in the history of football. I don't care whatever level it is, Barry Sanders. And now the the Lions are still looking for that running back. I also thought it was a little curious that Adrian Peterson was able to stick it out when you've got Carrion Johnson, who's so good. And DeAndre Swift's going to be good too. He's, he's going to be good. I have a feeling by the time his career is all said and done with that drop in the end zone is going to be something everyone's going to kind of chuckle at and say, man, he would never do that today because he's he's on a good trajectory there. But you mentioned Jeff Okuda, and he gets a nice little welcome to the NFL. He's going to line up across from the Packers wide receivers. Now, you've got one right behind me here. This obviously is a very familiar scene. It was a, uh, Alan Lazard in Detroit week 17. The Packers needed that to have a chance to gain that home field advantage and um, and secure that number two uh, seed and secure the bye week. And uh, we all know, but we were going to try to spare you. I'll, I'll mention it, but I'm not going to ask you about it. The, the zero-minute lead that Detroit had last season, but Green Bay comes away with both victories. But Jeff Okuda, as far as his training camp, because there was no preseason, and you know, he is going to line up against Devontae Adams at some point. You know, that's a tough ask for anybody. But how ready does he look? What, what, have, what did we see from him in the preseason and uh, during training camp? Uh, it was a, kind of a mixed bag. It, it didn't. He didn't light training camp on fire or anything. He wasn't able to necessarily grab the starting spot either from Amani Aruarie, who is a second-year corner. Uh, Lions got him in the fifth round somehow last year when a lot of you know draft analysts all projected him to be a day two type of selection. So I do think he was a steal at that point. And actually, Aruare had a pick against Rodgers last year as well, and he's shown flashes. And so I. It doesn't necessarily surprise me that Okuda can beat him out right away, but it is when you, anytime you take a top three player, you expect them to come in and contribute right away. And Okuda, you know, he, he made a couple plays, but you can definitely tell that I think Galladay and Marvin Jones were getting the best of him at times um, against the second tier guys. It sounded like he was doing all right, but there's still, still a ways to go for him. So it's, my expectations right now for him are semi-low. I just want to see some flashes of why he was drafted at number three overall because there's there's going to be times he gets burned against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and even Valdez Scantle. You guys have some big receivers, and yes, Akuda's pretty big himself, but you know this is the NFL, and I, I think Akuda is put in a really tough spot with how 
the Lions don't emphasize the pass rush. They don't try to get to the passer. They don't pressure the quarterback. They just drop all the guys into coverage. And eventually, with how much man the Lions play, there's going to be someone that gets open. So it's it's going to be it, – it might be a tough game for Akuda, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so coming into this season, I think expectations, you know, around the – the league and the media and the stuff that we read and see on TV was that the NFC North is going to be a tight race. And I think there's a lot of people out there that like the lions to take a step forward this year and be competitive. So what are your expectations for the lions this year, but also just trying to gauge, you know, from your readers and interactions, interactions on Twitter and stuff like that. What's the fan base's expectations for the lions this season? Well, before week one, I would say it was decently high. Uh, and that's typically the case every year where, you know, you have new players that come in. There's a new defensive coordinator. So there were some changes. And, I, you know, there's, you're going to have those negative Lions fans. The Lions have been bad for such a long time where it's the same old Lions. You know, that's the mantra that plenty of fans have. And for whatever the Lions do in the offseason, no one will ever give them any faith. And there's also the opposite end of the spectrum where – you know, if any small little move is just going to be the game changer that takes the Lions to the next level. But I, I, for me, my expectations, I thought this was a, about a 500 team last year when Stafford was on the field. He pl- only played in the first eight games and a back injury took him out to the last half of the season. But they were three, four and one with Stafford before that. And, you know, it's right around a 500 team. I didn't think the Lions made a ton of offseason moves. Uh, they brought in a ton of free agents. But they also lost a lot of their big-name players from a season ago as well. Like the Damon Sacks Harrison, Darius Slay traded off. Devon Kennard was tied to the, uh, the team of Sacks, and he's gone. Uh, Ashawn Robinson. So there was a lot of players that were supposed to be, you know, the guys that carried the defense last year. They're all gone. And the Lions brought in, you know, Danny Shelton, Nick Williams, uh, Jamie Collins, Desmond Trufant, uh, Deron Harmon. They, they brought in guys that aren't – necessarily game changers they're they're solid players or they have been at one point in their career but they're just not the lions lack just a true playmaker on defense now that darius slay is gone and that's that's my biggest concern is just that defense as a whole and i think that was a lot of the fans biggest concern was the defense is it going to change is matt patricia's philosophy going to change it all with him just only pass rushing three guys and then dropping everyone back into coverage uh, playing a lot of man. The Lions played the second most man defense in the league in week one, which was kind of the same we saw last year. So it just doesn't seem like a lot has changed. And that's what so many people were worried about was Patricia still at the helm. Yes, there's a new defensive coordinator, but if the defense doesn't change or significantly get better, it's just going to be the same results as last year. Yeah. And it kind of lends itself to, because you've got a little bit of a, of a change in ownership with Martha Ford and stepping down and wondering if you mentioned Matt Patricia and having to start out and, and obviously ownership is going to be watching that closely. I think once you get to that Oh, two Oh three territory, then you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but do you, is the Phil, is the philosophy in Detroit still the same when Bob Quinn came over and Matt Patricia came over as a Packers fan, I was, you know, impressed with those moves and it was a little, it made me a little nervous because those guys have a history of winning and they've got their ties to the Patriots. We all know how successful new England has been, but as far as the, you know, the long term and the outlook there, does it seem pretty upbeat positive because they've, they've got the right guys. I mean, Matt Patricia has got to win some games. You know, but you got Bob Quinn pulling the, the the trigger there. 
or does it does it seem like okay, uh, you know, we're not sure if if, if Quinn's going to be able to bring as much of that that magic over from New England as he could before. Do you maybe some of those moves that you mentioned, you know, maybe they've got their eye towards the future. And I guess that's more of my question is is maybe is this team looking well beyond twenty twenty with some of the moves they made this year and just prepping for future free agent classes? Yeah, I don't think. Like you mentioned, Sheila Ford Hamp, it's still a Ford. She's a new Lions owner. And she basically said, you know, that this this is still a must-win season, you know, that they expect to win. So I don't I don't think Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia really have that leash right now to be thinking that far into the future. They need to win this year. And if not, I I think they get fired. Now maybe COVID, the whole offseason ordeal you know not having a typical offseason changes things and gives them a hall pass but i don't i don't really buy that because every team has been dealing with the same the same things you know everyone's on a level playing field but i the the moves that the lions are making i i feel like are must win type of moves because they are that's the scenario that they're in right now and they're patricia who knows i if if he's 0-4 at the bye week i don't think it happens but i think there's definitely some talk about him getting fired. Sure. So I guess I'll just speak for Packers nation here. I think most Packer fans expect to win this week, but if the lions are going to beat green Bay, what is their path to victory? What does that look like for them? So I actually had, I had this conversation just the other day. It's like, how do the lions beat the Packers? And it was really difficult to come up with a way or just how I could envision it in my mind of a, a path that the Lions could do it. And I think, first of all, the Lions had to play a super clean game. Um, no dumb penalties, no weird turnovers, no fluky plays. Um, Aaron Rodgers would have to have one of those off days, maybe something more like what he did against in week 17 against the Lions. Uh, not like he did last week, because if that's the case, the Lions are in trouble. Uh, but then it's really going to come down to that run game for the Lions. If Adrian Peterson can get going, they can actually control the clock, and they don't allow Aaron Rodgers to step on the field as often as, you know, if the Lions don't have a run game. So it's, to me, I think the key is definitely the Lions run game, and it's something that they they haven't had in forever. And if they can do it, I know they might they might have a shot, uh, but they still need some more to go their way. Even on, after that, I think as well. Yeah, I would say so. And and I'm going to steal a, a line from Paul here because he po- put it best. You know, 13 years later, and in this COVID strange year of 2020, we're still talking about stopping Adrian Peterson yep. <laughs> as Green Bay Packers fans and hoping that he doesn't wreck another football game for the boogeyman the, for the Packers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, he is. So. Uh, Logan, before we let you go, um, that's a perfect lead into a question here. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. What you got for a final score tomorrow? What's your prediction for the game? So I have the Packers 38. I don't think the Lions are going to be able to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then the Lions 27. I do have semi-confidence in the Lions offense, but no Galladay I think is going to hurt. Uh, I know it's a pretty high-scoring game, and I just mentioned how – the Lions are probably going to try to slow the game down, but I don't think they're going to be able to slow Aaron Rodgers down. So once he gets going, the Lions are going to be in catch-up mode, and there goes that run game that they're trying to establish. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. And you you probably maybe took a look at the box score from last week and saw that the Packers and Vikings traded touchdowns throughout the entire fourth quarter. I mean, six straight possessions with a touchdown, and then that game ends up 
you know, in that the Packers end up with 43 points. So, I mean, as a Packers fan, I would love to think they can score 38 again. I'm just not sure. These the Lions are – it's interesting. Some of the worst games Aaron Rodgers has actually had in his career seem to have come against the Lions. So you have a chance. you got a coin flip's chance of yeah. of maybe grabbing one of those. Now, now he had one. He had one, he had one last year in, in week 17, and unfortunately <laughs> – Somehow they were able to still escape out of there with uh, with the victory, but we'll see how uh, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. But he is Logan Lamarandier, and you can follow him on Twitter at L Lamarandier. I'm going to say that last name as many times as possible. I'm so proud of myself <laughs> to tell you. I have to Excellent tell, job, Jason. I have to tell everybody, Logan's such a gentleman. I asked last uh, earlier this week how to pronounce the last name, and of course, that's a common question that you get. And he was kind enough to not only send me the phonetic pronunciation, but a video of himself saying it, which was <laughs> that is pure class, man. Thank you so much, uh, Logan. Yeah, it makes um, things a lot easier. <laughs> uh, Logan, before we let you go, is there anything that you're working on or that you want to promote or uh, put out to our fans that they might be interested in? Yeah, I mean, nothing in particular. I kind of, every day, I just kind of, like I said, dive deep into stats, see what I can find, see if there's anything interesting. But yeah, SI, all lions, just look up there and you can find all my work there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I I love a change of perspective. You know, I'm, I'm inundated with Lions fans all the time. Uh, I, I appreciate outside views keeping me in check sometimes with my thoughts and telling me things I may not know. So uh, even if you're a Packers fan, I always... I always look forward to having talk about NFC North in general. So you can find me at Twitter at L Lamarandier, as you can see on the screen there. It makes my, makes my life a little bit easier. Um, Facebook page as well. Have one there, Instagram, but definitely most active on Twitter. And that's where um, I'm most frequently on. So um, I appreciate you guys having me, though. This was this was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks so much for Absolutely. coming on. You get a perspective on some of the other guys out there, and uh, we'd love to have you. The Lions are going to be playing the Packers again. We'd love to have you back at some point again, so enjoy the game tomorrow. For sure. You guys as well. Talk soon. Thanks, thanks Logan. Logan. All right, Logan Lamarandier of SI joining us. Great conversation there. That was, that was awesome. Obviously, it was. He brought, hey, he brought up Quentin Cephas. You didn't even have to ask about it. I didn't. That was on my, that was on my checklist, but he got there before I could. I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So we talked a little bit about some of the news there. Equinemia St. Brown going to injured reserve and then the two guys that are getting got pulled up from the practice squad. So Paul EQ hasn't played in the game since 2018. Didn't play all last year because he was hurt. Now he goes on injured reserve. He was, I think, in our pregame, in our, I shouldn't say pregame, our preseason conversations and training camp conversations, a guy that I think we all expected to contribute to the offense this year. So are you concerned? Um, no, that, you know, like you said, we had all expected him to play a bigger role this year and he still could, it's only week two, but I think what we saw last week <clears throat> from the LeFleur offense, there's going to be mo there's going to be three receivers on the field at most, you know, if it's crunch time and, you know, need a big play, we could see four and five and that stuff. But for the most part, it's going to be three receivers. And until EQ can show that he can beat out, you know, MVS, we know Devante and Lazard are going to be there at this point. I think that, you know, he's just got a bit of an uphill battle. He missed all last year. And, you know, that's that's something to keep in mind as well. I know I was someone I wrote about him as well and how, about how he can make an impact this year. But also bouncing back from missing all of a season, that's a big step, especially from someone who was only a rookie of the year before. You know, so he had limited snaps there as well. So 
I'm I'm not concerned at this point, but I think just with the Lafleur offense and playing, you know, two three receivers at the for the most part, he just has to work his way back in. Yeah, and think about to to kind of go off of what you said there. I think you make a good point about the the Packers aren't running five wide anymore. So this no. isn't you know this isn't a major major. Uh, thing for the offense there. If you look at the targets last year, I mean, out, outside of Devontae Adams, who had 38,000 of them, you know, everyone else, <laughs> most of the other receivers had two, three at the most. And they did fine without him last week. They had Marquez Valdez Scanling out there, Alan Lazard, you've got Josiah DeGuara, you know, Jay Sternberger, the running backs, all kinds of different options that the Packers offense can, can benefit from. I, I guess I mentioned that because EQ was part of the equation of the wide receiver depth chart this year, and they didn't bring one in in the offseason, and they didn't draft a guy. And so EQ, I think having him back was part of what the Packers expected this season. But maybe they have a luxury of bringing him along a little more slowly. Again, IR only only necessarily has to mean three weeks. Now, we'll hopefully get some more clarity from Matt LaFleur either before this game or afterwards as far as how long they expect him to be out. But it could end up being a shorter term thing than than not. And then obviously the other big news too, Kenny Clark is ruled out. So up front, we talked about the Lions running game and how they, they've got really good running backs and, and able to pout it. They've got guys that can hurt you in multiple types of ways. So the obvious and easy question, Paul, with no Kenny Clark up front and the Packers defensive line and Montrevis Adams dinged up and, and other factors like that, how concerned are you as far as the Packers stopping the run and, and not letting the Lions control the clock and keep, their, um, and keep Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense off the field? Uh, very <laughs> to put it simply. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we saw it last year, even with Kenny Clark in there, they still had problems stopping the run. And Kenny Clark's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the, in the NFL. So without him, there's obviously going to be a big hole to fill, you know, Christian Kirksey will hopefully help with that. You know, Raven green, he's back this week. They didn't have him last year. Not that he's going to be the, you know, be all end all savior for the provide some help. But I think the biggest help can be the Packers offense. And I mentioned this with you, Jason, on Packaday earlier mm -hmm. this week. You know, last week we saw the Vikings run the ball efficiently. Madison and Cook both or as a unit average over five yards per carry. But when you're playing from behind by multiple scores for most of the game, guess what you can't do? You can't run the ball whole time. Right. And so I think it's going to be important for the Packers offense to come out fast get on the board and make the Lions play from behind. And then that's going to camouflage, hide the that Packers run defense. Because honestly, I mean, we've all seen Adrian, what Adrian Peterson can do against this defense. And I know he's 35 years old, but I still have my worries about that. Kerryon Johnson's a fantastic runner, as is DeAndre Swift. So the Packers need to get out to an early lead is what I think will do will help the run defense the best in all honesty. Yeah, and these running backs for the Lions are the type of players who they're very good, they're dynamic, and and Adrian Peterson's the type of player who's always been like when he wants to turn it on and do well and have a big game, he can do it. He can will himself to do that. He's just that type of player. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here and talk about Adrian Peterson like it's ten years ago, but he can still play. He can still play and still be dangerous that way. And. Well, I mentioned it on the Quick Slants podcast earlier this week. One of the most dangerous teams to play is a team that's starting to kind of back get backed up against the wall. Now, that sounds ridiculous to say after one game, but this is a divisional game that the Lions are looking at possibly going 0-2 in the division. That drastically changes the complexion of your season, and you're only mm -hmm. two games into it. You, you go down 0-2 in the division, then your chances of winning the division are tough, and now you got to fight for a wild card spot and all these other things and these other goals that you had are going to be really stressed. So the Lions come in 
not necessarily we want to say with a nothing to lose attitude, but they also have a lot of injuries. They're going to have to try to do something really unique to beat the Packers. And I think one of their strategies, Detroit's that is, is going to be to do the same thing you just said the Packers need to do, Paul. They're going to try to score early, steal a, a touchdown or get up early and make the Packers have to either go blow for blow or get out of their rhythm and not be able to run the, the offense that they want to because that's when the Packers struggle. When Aaron Rodgers can't get into a rhythm, when they go three and out, I think they only had one three and out last week against uh, Minnesota. Maybe they just did whatever they want. Detroit's going to be looking to disrupt that in any way that they possibly can. And that's my my biggest concern in this game as far as the Packers staying trying to stay competitive with Detroit. But in looking ahead here for Green Bay, Green Bay has an opportunity on the flip side to go up 2-0 in the division and then heading into a really tough road game next week in New Orleans against the Saints. And I'm looking ahead a little bit here, but we expect New Orleans to be in the playoff conversation at the end of this season. So you've you've got two really big games here that if the Packers can win, puts them in a really good position of advantage, especially with the 49ers losing last week to the Cardinals in the NFC race. But it, in terms of the meaning here, you know, it's and the way we look at the schedule. So then they've got, and then they play the Falcons, and then they've got the bye week. Paul, how are you looking at these these next two weeks in terms of your? I know you 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 feel good about the Lions game, but um, is this the most pivotal stretch the Packers are going to face this season, or do you see something later on down the road being a little bit tougher or more pivotal for them? Uh, my most pivotal pivotal stretch for them is going to be after that bye week, where they go Tampa, Houston, Minnesota, and San Francisco. I mean, three of those games are on the road, and then the, their one home game is Minnesota. But it's a divisional game. It's against the Vikings. They're, you know, even last week the Packers dominated the game, but the score still ended up relatively close. It's going to be a tough matchup. So for me, that's kind of that's the pivotal part of the schedule. Um, as far as you just hopefully you just survive it. You know what I mean? Like if they right. go two and two during that stretch, you're like, okay, that's fine. Because then after that, schedule gets a lot easier. But this week in particular, it's a divisional game. And what needs to be, or the Packers need to watch out for, is that Lions offense. I know Kenny Galladay's out, but Matthew Stafford is still under center. Before he got injured last year, he was on pace for 5,000 yards and nearly 40 touchdowns. This is an explosive Lions offense. And even with Stafford missing half the games, they had the fourth most plays last year of 20 yards or more in the passing game and the sixth most of 40 yards or more in the passing game. They know how to put up you – know, they, they know how to get big plays, and they gave up a lot of big plays. Mm -hmm. They got better as the season went on, but that's something that I'm going to be watching for this week. The Packers have to find a way to eliminate it. And even against the Vikings, they're playing prevent defense in the fourth quarter. We still saw Adam Thielen get behind the secondary. So that's a big key for me this week is Stafford's a gunslinger. He's a fantastic quarterback. I don't think he gets the – the amount of respect that he deserves. He's a great quarterback, but that's something I'll be watching this week. Can the defense eliminate the big plays or limit the big plays? That is. Yeah. 11 years later, Matt Stafford's still slinging it. And he's been, he's been a four or 5,000 yard quarterback. Most of his career that he mm -hmm. stayed healthy. Part of the equation for the Packers in beating uh, that lions offense. And there's no Kenny Galladay to deal with is guys like Jair Alexander, who had turned in a huge game last week. no, Player of the Week award for Jair Alexander, Paul. You, you have to think that might put a little bit of a chip on the young guy's shoulder because he 
he put up some, I, I, uh, you might know better than me, the stat about having a, an interception, a sack, and a fumble in the same game. It was the first time in a long time or one of very few players to, to put up that stat, and then he, he doesn't win the Player of the Week award. What does this guy have to do? Yeah, no, I don't know the exact um, the exact stat, but yeah, he was one of very few that have done that in the same week. And I mean, that alone, a sack for a safety and then an interception, you know, obviously he has my vote and Aaron Rodgers would have had my vote as well for offensive player, you know, hats off to Russell Wilson. He had a nice, he did have a nice week, but yeah, I think, you know, I think what we saw last week is the start to Jair Alexander's real breakout season where he's, you know, last year there were, you know, he's made the plays, but there were a lot of those extra, you know, big plays, those interceptions where they're off his hands. And I think this year is where we start to see that difference. And week one was the start of that. I hope so. And because look, Jair did what he's supposed to do, make the quarterback pay for putting the ball in the wrong spot. Kirk Cousins said, I threw it to the inside. It should have been to the outside. And Jair Mm -hmm. was right there, made the play, made Adam Thielen pay for it. Those two are going to be battling it out in the NFC North for, for a while to come. I, I I absolutely think so. And that prevent defense, what's the old adage? Prevent defenses, prevent victories. (laughs) I I hope, I hope that that's, uh, that's quick and long gone uh, before, before, uh, too too much longer in this season because the Packers can't afford that. They've got to they've got to stay aggressive and really play to their strengths, which is two really good pass rushers and Rashawn Gary, who's the third. Yeah. You got to use those guys. These these two and three man fronts is just inexcusable. That's actually you know that's Detroit Lions type of football. And then and when the you Packers, have Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, Doug, you got the Arnold, trust trust your guys. You have the pass rush. You have a good secondary. Trust them. Play your defense. You've got the back end covered. So uh, before we. Close it up. I'm going to bring producer Kyle, Kyle Hoffenbecker, into the studio. Kyle, what's up, man? Just hanging out, having a good time. Listen awesome. To you guys. Thanks yeah. for all, you, all of you at home that don't know. Kyle does all the great work behind the scenes, make sure all the banners and all the information is up to snuff here. But we're Thanks, going to talk Jason about – and I look pretty. Eh, that's a pretty tough job. <laughs> you know, Kyle's Kyle's not getting paid anywhere near enough if that's part of his role. I can I'm tell not you a, that right you now. Know, I'm not a miracle worker, so I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so we're gonna we're gonna do game predictions before we pop out of here. So, Kyle, we'll start with you. What do you got? Well, I, uh, I, know, you- I, I have a lot of thoughts after you know the last 40 minutes to listen to you guys. I have the Packers winning. I think it's going to be um, you know I predicted a 10 point victory for the Packers last week. Predict a 10 point victory again this week. And one thing I want to point out, as you guys mentioned, the key to a Packers victory, I think, is going to be how you know if they can run the ball better than the Lions can. And I said it last week. And last week I said if they can control time of possession against the Vikings, they'll win the game. It just so happens that they won time of possession by almost 30 minutes uh, last week. They had the ball for 41 minutes, and the Vikings had the ball for 18 minutes. So um, I was right. Uh, and I think they'll do something similar similar to that again, unless Adrian Pearson decides to, you know, go prime Adrian Pearson, which, you know, we all know he loves to do against the Packers. So uh, I think the, the key is to contain Adrian Peterson. I think he'll find the end zone once just because he's Adrian Peterson. But I think just, I just think the Packers offense is way too, you know, there's too much firepower in this offense. There's eight different avenues they could go down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their Lions secondary is even worse, I think, than the Vikings secondary that they faced last week. Um so there you go. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And the one thing about that too is that sometimes teams that are down a guy or two actually come in more prepared because they've taken the time to really plan for, and they're not just resting on the talents of 
their best players who could potentially get you know befuddled or tripped up by things that happen with within the, the scope of the game. But that's that's a really good point. I still cannot believe that we're sitting here talking about Adrian Peterson scoring <laughs> touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers. Paul, do you have Adrian Peterson wrecking this game uh, tomorrow or what? Uh not wrecking it by any means. I think he'll he'll get his he'll get his yards here and there. But I think the Packers offense goes off once again. 38, 38 points. I think the Packers passing game is gonna terrorize the Vikings second or the Lions secondary. I mean they're beat up. Desmond Trufant's out, Justin Coleman's on IR, and then rookie Jeff Okuda. As Logan explained, he's you know fantastic career at Ohio State, but he's had his ups and downs. And I mean it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I don't care how good the rookie is. It's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Then you factor in the run game. Lions gave up 150 yards last week to the Bears, and they're not exactly a running team, a team that does that every week. So when you add in Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, overall I just expect this offense to – I think they're going to have another big day like they did against Minnesota. Defensively, as I mentioned earlier, I think the big play is an issue for this Packers defense, and I th- and I liked Matthew Stafford as a quarterback. So I think the Lions are able to put up some points as well. No Kenny Clark in the middle. I think the run game. But in the end, Packers are the better team. They have better players. And as the Packers defense always does, they come up with some big stops, turnovers, whatever it may be, whenever they need it. And so that's going to be the difference maker. But I expect a, a high-powered offensive offensive affair from both teams got it well i want to acknowledge james kurth in the facebook chat there he wants to know can the packers win tomorrow so you've got two out of our three predictions that's right absolutely james james says it's going to be 40 35 close for my liking but now listen now put up another 40 40 burger i won't complain about that (laughs) well if you can if you see the the way that it's worded here james does not declare who it is that he thinks is going to score 40 i'm assuming it's the packers but (laughs) but uh that was that was james so i'll round it out here with my own prediction i've got the packers winning this game they have no business losing it but the packers have, have had some really head scratching games against the lions in the in, over the, the many years that these two teams have faced off, and it's usually Green Bay, the better team, but the Lions are pesky and they're a division mm-hmm. opponent, and they just somehow find ways to trip the Packers up at times. But I've got this one 34 24. I don't think it's the same laser light show as the week prior, and I think that 34 points might be a little bit high. I know that sounds odd given all the things the Packers offense should do, but it's the first game at home, just some weird things going on. The Lions aren't going to have to deal with the crowd, so maybe that that factor doesn't hurt their game as much and like i said maybe they come in very much more prepared because of all the the backup guys and depth that they're going to have to play versus their preferred starters and and that actually helps them a little bit in terms of their preparation but i got the good guys winning 34 24 i just hope it doesn't get twisted sideways and like i said come down to a field goal by matt prater and robert pence our YouTube extraordinaire, social media guy. Prater has some nasty range on that leg. I hate to admit it, but he's right. So let's just hope that that's not what it all comes down to, but you're going to want to follow me on Twitter anytime he does make a kick or or attempt (laughs) to kick. I always have something fun to say towards Matt Prater. So with that, producer Kyle, let's put some Twitter handles up here and let's see where uh, where everyone's at and where you can follow all of us on Twitter. I am Jason Perrone. You can follow me. I am at Jason Perrone. Jacob is not with us today, but you can follow him on Twitter nonetheless and give him a hard time for not being here. No, don't really. He's celebrating the CEO's birthday, and that's Blake Westendorf. He is at Jacob Westendorf, and he will be back with us 
uh, later this week and next week for the rest of our shows. And then you've got Paul Brettel. You can follow Paul at Twitter, Paul underscore Brettel. And producer Kyle, all the shows that we've got here. We've got our fantasy show that kicks off, and that is at 10 a.m. Central before the game. You've got our roundtable, the post route with Alex Struff. We, we uh, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere here we've got uh, the phone number to call in on. Here it is. Yep, I got I got it right on the screen. Yep. Got it. There it is, the post route. So give a call in. It's 20 minutes after the game is over if you want to talk to the guys there. And then, of course, we'll have all of our shows this week. Happy Hour with Maggie and Perry and the Freezer Podcast on Monday. Quick Slants will be back on Wednesday. Open Book, Lombardi's Bar. And off we go to another week there, too. So such such a great amount of content. All the great We got it all, folks. I, I, be- I believe there's a comment here from Jacob that I'm going to put up in uh, just for just for fun. <laughs> Jason is old. Absolutely. There you go. Old and like a fine wine. It's like a fine wine. You know, I get better with age. It's not pulse of the pack without that comment. So much better with age. Of course, he's been lurking creepily in the background during this entire show. And then he throws a comment up at the very end there. So I guess I'm glad I put his Twitter handle up there. Otherwise, the boss is going to fire me. So Um, Jason ages like milk. There we go. Now he's out of his cave, everybody. He's out of his cave. It's it's time. It's time to wrap it up here. So thanks everyone for coming along. Again, uh, thanks for thanks to Logan Lamarandier. See, I knew I was going to butcher it once. I promised myself I'd butcher at least one time for coming on. Make sure you follow him and check out all of his great work. Everybody, enjoy the week. Enjoy the Packers versus the Lions. And as always, go pack, go.